Welcome to Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with guest host, Dr. Beverly Kinlaw. Today, Dr. Kinlaw teaches on the new there of the Lord. Hallelujah. I believe with all of my heart that all of us in the body of Christ, we're in new seasons now. And things that we were doing, things that we were very comfortable in, God is saying, hey, it's time to move to something different. Now, some people, you just moved to something different. For example, I just moved into a new location in my home. Now, that was a big step for me, a big step of faith, because if you look at budget finances and where I'm at now, it would be like scratching your head, but it, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt this was what God wanted me to do. So in the midst of packing boxes, you know, I, I couldn't find all kinds of things. I'm like, where are my shoes, you know, because I've not unpacked at all, hardly. But the message this morning is one called the new there of the Lord. And I'm going to be speaking out of First Kings, beginning with chapter 16. Father God, I thank you for the opportunity. And Lord, I ask you to flow through me in a great and powerful way, Father. Let me be your vessel. Let me be your voice, God. That's all I ask, Father. In Jesus' mighty and precious name, amen. Maybe a strange title for some of you, but there's something there. And I heard another minister to give credit where credit is due. He spoke about this a little bit one time years and years and years ago. And it became my reign of my revelation. And they say, you know, that that's okay too. So I went with this message, and of course it's got you know, my take on it or the Holy Spirit's take on it. But let's, let's go there. First Kings chapter 16, beginning with verse 23. And the 30 and first year of Asa, king of Judah, began Omri to reign over Israel. Twelve years, six years reigned he in, T- in Tyrsa. And he bought the hill Samaria of Shemar for two talents of silver and built on the hill and called the name of the city which he built the Samaria. But Omri wrought evil in the eyes of the Lord, and he did worse than all that were before him. How would you like that to be your closing statement at the end of your human life? You know, that you did worse than all the kings before you. I was reading this this morning again, just reading it over, and I thought, how typical where we are in our world today. Because we have leaders that have, we've had good leaders, we've had bad leaders, we've had godly leaders, we've had men who were not godly leaders, and women. And I think how typical that is of what's going on today. So I said, you know, to the Lord, I said, maybe this is a timely message for today, because this just excites me. And it's, ever since I heard about the new there of the Lord, I've been tuned in for years and years and years, like, where is my new place, God? Where is my place that I'm supposed to be today? And it said, Omri did worse than all those before him. I'm going to skip down. He passed away. And Ahab, the son of him, did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. So his son steps into the role, and it says he did worse. Than his father, and his father did worse than anybody before him. It says Omri did even worse than his dad. He even reared up altars, verse 32, in the house of Baal that were built in Samaria. And Ahab made a shrine, and he did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. So Ahab was doing evil and doing evil and doing evil. 
And God reaches a point. He's so tolerant, isn't he? You know how, I mean, you probably know like me, you know, there's been times in my life where there were things I needed to get in order with God. I needed to get straight. I needed to give up. I needed to change. You know, like I got saved in 1977, and I still smoked cigarettes. And it was really years before I was able to give those up. And I've had people say all kinds of ugly things during that time frame. But you know what? He knows when we reached our point. He was dealing with other issues in my life. But there came that day when God said, today is the day. Well, let's go now. So Ahab made a shrine. Now, chapter 17, verse 1. And Elijah the Tishite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, so God told Elijah, he says, I want you to go and talk to Ahab. I want you to get his attention. I want you to be a messenger for me. And I want you to go talk to him. And give him a word from me, the Almighty God. And it says in verse 1, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying to Elijah now, after he gave the word, he said, You go, turn east, and hide yourself by the brook Cherub, that is before Jordan. So God had the messenger go and give the message, and then he always looks out for his children, and he told him where to go hide. Because he said what? Down a couple of verses, he says, I will provide for you by the brook. He said this, verse 4, And it shall be that you shall drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. That's where the dare starts. He said, go there to the brook. And I will take care of you why it's going to not, why it's going to dry up. It's not going to rain over here. It's not going to rain in the King Ahab's area. It's going to get bad. There's not going to be water to drink. And he's saying, go over here to the brook. For that you're there. So he went and he did according unto the word of the Lord. For he went and he dwelt by the brook, Cherif, that is before Jordan. And the ravens did according to the word of the Lord, and they brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. It came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Verse 8, And the word of the Lord came in him, saying, Arise, get thee to Seraphath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. The brook dried up. Perhaps things have dried up in your life. I had a season where things dried up in my life. And the Lord spoke to me and he told me I stayed in a place two years too long. Had I left where I was at, where I was working and what I was doing. But I stayed because I thought I had to stay. And everything began to dry up. I had to live. Now, I'm a tither and a giver. I've never, I mean, I've done that faithfully since I got saved. I just got the revelation, bam. But because I didn't listen to the word of the Lord, I literally lost everything. Staying, doing what by the world standard was a good deed. I was caring for my mother and her business, which was drying up. So I lost everything. And then I heard the Lord tell me, we've seen all the time but it's like I had no choice 
So I moved back to Wilmington. God never let me do without a home, place to live, and I never went without food. I went for a couple of times where I had to round up some change to go buy some groceries. And the interesting thing during that time is people that knew that, they couldn't believe it. I think they thought I was lying because they weren't accustomed to seeing me in that much without. And, I mean, you think these people, people that you've helped yourself, people that you've given to, you would have thought, knowing your need, that they would have helped you. But they didn't. But, see, it was a great experience because I learned a lot because he took care of me. And I now know what it feels to have to take change and go to a grocery store and put that change in a machine just to have I know what that feels like for the people who have done it. I never had to do that before. So that was a good experience. I am a firm believer based on the word of God that when you tithe and when you give, and this is for somebody specific, when you pay your tithes and you give your and give those offerings unto the Lord, we oftentimes think, well, it should be right here tomorrow. But God told me a long time ago, there's a season for your harvest. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, when I had to do that, I mean, I should have had harvest coming in because I was tithing and giving. Even in the midst of having nothing, I found something to give. But you know what? He knows when we can handle our harvest. Does that make sense? He knows when we can handle our harvest. And I tell that to people fairly often, and they're like, well, I don't understand this. And I said, let me tell you something. If you had right now $100,000, $200,000, what would you do with it? Oh, I'd buy me a house. Well, that's not a bad thing. I'd go buy such and such car. That's not a bad thing either. You know, it was all about me, 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 or them, them, them. I said, well, where is your heart when it comes to the things of God? Well, I love God and all that, but you didn't say a thing about what are you going to give to the kingdom of God. And besides that, we get lump sums of money, and people tend to blow them right away if they're not accustomed to handling and budgeting money. That's for somebody. So I say all that. You be encouraged, whoever you are. Your harvest is coming, and you better thank God that the harvest hasn't come yet because he loves you enough to hold it back before he brings it to you because he knows that your flesh, that your ungodly desires, although they're not bad desires, but that those desires are not his will for your life. It's like people talk about, you know, they want this and that and the other. I work in the mortgage industry as a mobile notary, and sometimes I go to young couples. Well, it's not always young couples, and they're qualifying to buy a house, and, I mean, there is no playroom there. And being the person that I am and loving people, so I will ask them, I'll say, what happens if one of you gets sick or can't work for a season? How are you going to make your mortgage payment? Well, I don't know, but we want this house. We want this house. Well, maybe it wasn't quite time yet for you to have that house. Whoever that's for. Your harvest is where your there is. Wherever it's at. People come and go. 
from jobs, from churches, from relationships. You know, I would say like changing underwear, but that wouldn't be very couth, would it? <laughs> said it, didn't I? But literally, they do. You know, I hear people that that have left churches, even some people who aren't here that have left, and it's always something. It's not, what did God tell you to do? Well, I didn't like this, or I don't like that, or whatever. It doesn't matter what you like, folks. It doesn't matter. Do you want to be in the will of God? The will of God's not always fun and pleasant. I told people, you know, people say to me, well, you're a single lady. Why don't you go to Myrtle Grove or somewhere like that where there's all these single men? And I'm like, well, I would, but that's not what God's telling me. He's saying, I'm to be here and put my life and support this ministry. Do I like everything here? Pretty much, but I have my moments, you know. I mean, we all do. But God said, be here, and I'm going to tell you something else. If Satan knows, and yes, he is alive, if Satan knows that he can move you out of where your there is, where your place is, guess what? He's going to magnify every little wrong that there is. He will make up something, make you believe it. Because there's even in jobs and locations and houses and homes, everything, relationships. Oh, Lord, we could talk on that one for a long time. Friendships. I'm in a place right near, and God, and part of my there is there's some certain lady friends I have, and God says, you've got to back away because uh, I'm seeing things that, uh-uh. I had a lady who wanted to room with me. She said, well, why don't we rent this house together? And I mean, yeah, I could say 50% of what it's cost me. And God said, no, because you'd be a house divided that's fall. Over here, this person's saying, I'm broken, I'm broken, I'm broken, I'm broken. I've been here going, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. No, thank you. <laughs> Does that make sense? Our relationships, you think you met the one. The one thinks they've met you, you know. Might not be the one for you, <laughs> but it might be. Does that make sense? But I'm telling you, wherever... Your place is in the Lord. And that's what Elijah did. He had to hear God. He had to go to all the new places. The brook dried up. So where did he go next? He went to the widow woman. And he told that widow woman, that's in First Kings 17, he said to the widow woman, take care of me, basically. And the widow woman says, you've got to be kidding. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. It's kind of like, really? I mean, we don't have anything. The barrel has run dry. We don't have anything. How are we going to give you something to eat? We were getting ready to put sticks together and cook a little, our last supper, really, and die. That's what it says. We were getting ready to eat and die. They were getting ready to have their, what they perceived would be their last meal, and they were going to die of starvation. Now, that's what they said to him. And he said, can you imagine this? If you said, listen, all I got is a can of beans, man. We're going to heat it up, and we're going to eat it, and that's all we got. It's done over in history if you didn't know who God was. And then I come up and say, well, feed me first. That's what he did. He said, feed me first. And then eat. Really? (laughs) But she did. And because she obeyed the word of the prophet or the word of the Lord through the prophet... What happened? The barrel never ran out. And God fed her and him. But it went on further, and it says clearly there, it used the word in there. Go to the widow woman and serve that, and there. 
You have to read this one, but it says there. She will feed you and take care of you. But then what happened? Her son died. So as soon as her son died, she began to go, what am I being, is this God punishing me for some sin in my past, basically? And no, of course not. But that's what she thought, that God was punishing somehow for some sin in the past. And Elijah said, oh, no, 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 my God is awesome. My God is great. My God is the God of miracles. And what did he do? He went up and he laid on the boy. Can you imagine doing that? You bring somebody in and they're dead and we lay on them. But he laid on the boy and life returned into her son. So that ended, and where was the next there he had to go? He had to go and tell Ahab, or he sent his messenger first to tell Ahab. He wanted to meet with him. But he met with one of the people that was with Ahab, not Ahab, yeah, Ahab. And he met him out in the trail on the road. And Elijah told him, and he said, Tell your king I want to meet with him. He's like, you've got to be kidding. And he was raising all these objections as well. He said, no, no, no. He'll kill me if I go back there and haven't accomplished what I'm supposed to accomplish. He sent him out to look for grass or a grassy place where they could feed the animals because without water, everything is going to die. So it was at the point things were getting ready to really die. But he went. And he was, he was arguing with Elijah. How many times did we argue with God? But God, but God, but God. Just like the healing thing, it's like, and you know, like, well, I don't know. I mean, yeah. And I, I'm, that's an area i got to come up into my there on because you run into people all the time. And you see them, and they're sick, and they're crippled, and they're blind, and they're deaf. And we go, our mind says, well, I'm going to lay hands on them, but what if nothing happens? What if nothing happens? But you got to believe something happens. Amen. So what is on you there? In that respect, boldness. We have to become bold and brave. But there's people around, they're going to think on whatever. So does it really matter? Does it really matter what anybody thinks? You're going to get persecuted and criticized, and you're going to be hated by people anyway. You know, people that were your friends or your family, those that are on board with you are going to oppose you. And they are the weak links in your life and Satan will use them. I know. That's one reason why if you marry the wrong person and you got to call a God on your life and you're trying to serve God, guess who that weak link is? That spouse. And Satan will use that spouse to attack you and stop you and try to hold you back. He'll use your children. So I don't have that spouse in my life, but I now have children. And he will use my adult children. And a friend of mine, I was telling them last Sunday night about the lady that would call me every Sunday morning. And because I get caught up in conversation with her, I'd end up being late to some of the services. Guess who called this morning? I didn't answer the phone. Because I realized that as much as I love this person, and this person is a godly person, and they knew that I was doing the preaching this morning and still called, and I didn't answer. I'm like, it can go to voicemail, you know. So it's a new place and a new there. So the widow woman, 
The boy got raised, and then God told him to move on, and to move on and go deal with, with Ahab. Let me find where we're at. Chapter 18. So Elijah went to show himself to Ahab, and there was a sore famine in Samaria. And Ahab called Obadiah, which was the governor of his house. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. That's what I was looking for. For it was so when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord that Obadiah, who had a heart for God, took a hundred prophets and hid them and fed them for God. So he was scared. He was afraid he was going to get his head chopped off because of his relationship with God that he had that I guess he was kind of keep on the sly there. But he went on and he told Ahab, he says, if you repent and do what you need to do, and then there was a thing about the prophets and, uh, you know, the 450 prophets and then Elijah and the confrontation they had and God won out. But he told him, that it was time, and that if he turned his heart towards God, that it would begin to rain again. Verse 41, Elijah went unto Ahab, get up and eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of the rain. That's verse 41 of chapter 18. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he cast himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees. And he said to the servant, go up now, look towards the sea. And he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. How many times have we prayed? Uh, There's nothing. I don't see anything. My bank account is not any higher than it was. I don't feel any better today. I still hurt, whatever. And we think nothing has happened. But Elijah had what? He had heard God. Did he not? He heard God. And God had said, the rain is going to return. You go up to Mount Carmel. You get in your face before me and pray. He sent out the spies, so to speak, those that were with him. And they said, we don't see anything. And he said, go back again and go back again. And they came back and they saw the cloud. Sometimes all we see is a little cloud in the distance. And we just, you know, we don't see anything. Sometimes God says, this or that, or I'm going to bless you. You know, I've moved you into a new there of the Lord. This is of the Lord to you. He says, I put you in a new place, doing a new thing. And he said, it looks like you can't see anything. And he said, you see a cloud sometimes, he said, but to tell you that the cloud is coming in a great way with the rain of abundance is coming. Sarah, Lord says, tell you that you are in your right place. You are right where you need to be in your life. That doesn't mean it's not going to change later, but he said, right now you're where you need to be. And you're having a great impact in ways that you don't even know. Yay. You know, God is speaking to so many, including me. He's speaking to all of us and some people respond quicker than other people do I have had a tendency to be one that learns the hard way I said I could write a book on what not to do and I don't know if it'd be a great seller or not but I can tell you what not to do because I tend to be stubborn 
okay? But I've learned a lot through that stubbornness, you know? And I, it seems like when you have a call in your life, it seems like it's not always the easy way. But I know that in the natural, I overthink things. But also, I tend to think a lot and overthink in the spirit realm, too. And I think sometimes that's a good thing because I really, I don't quickly jump and say, that's God. Nor do I quickly jump and say, that's the devil. Because I have to think it through and think it through with the word of God and what do I feel and pray about it. But I know that, I know for a fact because God has spoke to me and said, there would be people here today. And God has been speaking to you some things. It may be everything from me, a new location, now is working on health with me. He says, we're there. I mean, um, some people, it's a new job. Some people, it's going to take, you're going to take a step out. And you're going to step out in faith. Maybe God's trying to tell you there's something he wants you to do and you're holding back. Because you get in your brain in there and you're thinking, well, I don't have the money for that or I don't have the this for that or I don't, I just don't know. It might not be God's will. And, and I mean, Ricky Leonard is a great example. Ricky goes all over the place. I mean, all over the world. And I mean, he, he, he and his wife's life is a walk of faith, believe in God to make provision for them. Is that correct, Rick? Yeah. I mean, and, and all of us can say that. I remember a time, another time, actually. I was sick for about a year. My husband had decided he didn't want to follow God and me anymore, so he decided to take off. And Anyway, that's history. But I, got, I was just, and then I was sick through all of this. So for a year, I couldn't work. I had no income for a year. Had a house, mortgage payment, all that stuff. I was pastoring then a church, but because of health issues, I just wasn't me, so I think what happened, people began to leave, and that was okay. But I say this to say that, do you know, I still was concerned about giving and obeying the word of God. Even though I might not have a dollar to my name for a while, I found something. Maybe it was my time. I tied my time. I gave clothes away. And God provided for me every, every month on time. Money came in from places and people I didn't even know. It did. I mean, checks would come in the mail. And it might be from places and churches. I used to travel a lot and minister all over the place. And money would come in from just random people that I had met along the way or that had been in one of the services. And every month, my bills were like a little under 2000 which was not bad for back then where the mortgage was a lot lower. But the good news was is every month that money came in. It did. Every month. I didn't have late bills during that season. And then God spoke to me and told me what I needed to do and what doctor. He gave me the name of a doctor, went to the doctor. And everything got better and, you know, back to normal. But I say all that. It was a season that I went through. And, I again, it's knowing. You know, it's like I think when you're a minister, you have to go through things to have the compassion and empathy for people. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We hope you enjoyed today's message on The New There of the Lord. If you'd like to hear more about Faith Life Fellowship and access more teachings, 
you can visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And He's given us new life. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe that He conquered death. We believe in the resurrection. And He's coming back again.